Hi, I'm your host, Karian Armashevitz, and this is Education Everywhere. All right. So I'm here today with Leah Armashevitz, who is my wonderful sister-in-law, um, and she's also a mom and a parent and, of course, my brother's wife. Um, but Leah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, first, Carrie, I just want to say congrats on the new podcast. It's super exciting. Uh, I can't wait for uh, all your future uh, shows. And I'm definitely going to be listening in because uh, I know there's going to be so much that I can learn from you. And um, as Carrie said, I, um, I do have three kids. So I'm super excited to hear um, what you have to say. Um, I'm going to definitely be taking tons of notes and uh, trying to implement um, all these awesome things that I can be learning from you to do with my kids. Um, we are, you know, definitely a very hands-on family and, um, I love the idea of, you know, really learning how, um, we can promote creativity with our kids. Uh, so yeah, so I am, um, married. We're going on, uh, 10 years this year, uh, to my wonderful husband, Drew. Uh, we have three little boys, so life can be a little crazy sometimes. Uh, our oldest just turned six. We have a two and a half year old. And we also have um, an eight month old. So um, very, very uh, busy. And uh, this year, if you know, we're not busy enough with other things, we decided to take on homeschooling. So uh, that's you know, a whole new chapter of our lives. And um, it's, you know, it's been great so far. One of the things that's kind of helped us uh, transition to it too is um, we're doing a program where our son still um, gets to go um, to like a homeschool uh, type school um, two days a week. And then um, we do the homeschooling the other days a week. So we have a little mix of at home and um, classroom type things. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm super curious, right? Cause I come from a very traditional education background, um, both my own schooling, you know, I went to, through public school and then I went to college, um, but then also like being a school teacher for 13 years. Um, so I'm curious, you know, in schools, I know that there's a lot of time spent on transitions. There's a lot of time spent on routines and systems because you need to get, um, you know, 20 kids to be able to learn the same thing at the same time. I'm curious, like for, as a homeschool parent, what does like a day in the life of um, your child look like as a homeschooled child? Because I'm sure it's significantly different than in schools where we are spending so much time on transitions, routines, systems, and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um... I would say I also, you know, I went to um, a private school, so, you know, very traditional classroom setting. Um, so it's kind of like you have to erase everything you know and, um, and reinvent it. Um, you know, thankfully, um, there's been tons of um, others that have gone ahead and done this that I've been able to learn from. Um, but one of like the main things that, um, you know, I've really taken away from, um, you know, others is um, you're not making it look like real traditional school. Um, you're doing school that fits your child. And the beauty of doing it at home is I can do what fits him. I can do what fits our family. Um, so I probably have to say that the word that like fits our family's dynamic with homeschooling and everything the most is flexible. Um, every day can look a little bit different for us because um, there's so many things between, you know, you've got doctor's appointments, um, you know, if you want to take a day and go to the science museum, the aquarium, you know, like we're, we're totally flexible with play dates and um, things like that. So not um, every day looks the same for us. Um, but what I feel like the minimum, like what I try to um, do for um, 
Knox, who um, is in kindergarten this year, is we, um, I try to do um, a quick math lesson and um, a quick, you know, sitting down and reading. Um, we call it like a reading lesson, um, you know, and that's very variable depending on, um, you know, kind of what we're feeling for the day. Um, so at the most, we're doing a half hour of schooling a day. Um, and that's even, that's even less traditional than, um, you know, what you would get in school as far as like a lesson, um, you know, our math lesson, um, we've got this awesome curriculum and it's, um, it fits his learning style. It's very hands-on. We're not sitting and reading a workbook together. Um, I have, you know, the lesson um, is laid out for me. I bought this curriculum because the lesson is laid out for me. Um, I've learned um, that I'm very open and go. I don't have a lot of time to do um, prep work, but there is a list of, you know, what I need. And so our math lesson, um, as an example, the other day was um, he's learning more or less equal, that kind of stuff. We set up glasses um, with water. He had stuffed animals and he had a tea party with his stuffed animals. And we said, okay, frog has this much water. Now, um, monkey um, wants less water than frog, you know? And so his challenge was to go through and, you know, do each one of the um, instructions that I gave him. And he was filling water and jumping and pouring. And that's how we did math. Um, and I, I absolutely love just the playness, like the playfulness in that math lesson, you know, and I feel like that's usually, unfortunately, when you have a classroom of 20 kiddos, like you can't do that sort of like hands-on playfulness, like imaginative sort of lesson. I mean, I, I, that's just, yeah. that's fabulous. I love hearing about that. Yeah, no, it definitely, so like, um, it's totally, you know, it's different, uh, but it's still, it's still a math lesson, you know, at the end, um, you know, he's able to tell me what equal means, you know, and um, as we go about our day and we do other things, we just find other ways to talk about it and to tie it back into the math lesson. And he doesn't really know that that's a math lesson. Um, so, you know, that's been uh, fun. And we also, because we have um, the other two, um, it's really hard to do um, a lot. So with a two-year-old, he wants to do everything that his brother is doing. Um, so for that lesson, that meant I set him up with his own glasses. I gave him a little bit of water, a lot of paper towels, and uh, he just sat there and poured water back and forth. And I would randomly lean over and wipe up water. Uh, but that's the only way that I could have gotten that lesson done. So um, it's all about flexibility, you know, and um, I probably spend more time thinking about how to occupy my two-year-old while I'm trying to get in that half hour than even, you know, that half hour of lessons, you know, might take. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of um, what our day would be is, you know, when can we fit in this little bit of a lesson? Um, and then, you know, for the rest of our day, like I said, you know, we might take off and go do something, but we also, um, you know, if, if he's not playing or doing something or going outside, you know, we might say, all right, go do, um, go do a little program on the computer or something, you know, we have different little apps and um, things like that, that, you know, he can go and spend time on and kind of do what he wants to do, but I still feel like he's doing something educational. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just like, I love hearing about like how you're structuring your day and the flexibility in there. Um, and it is just like such a far cry from traditional schooling where everything is, you know, controlled by a 40 or 45 minute bell and math lives only in one zone and, you know, uh, reading and writing live in one zone and art lives in one zone and everything's very compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. um, so you do have the flexibility to do a lot more combinations as well as reinforcing throughout the day, which is really, really nice because you are, you're doing education to fit your child. right? Because we're here because it's all about extending the learning. So what I'm trying to do is I've created these 
box kits curriculums and, and continue, continuing to launch them. But the idea is that you have a grab and go for art curriculum, because from my knowledge, there's really nothing out there like that for homeschool parents right now. And I think that there really is a big need for it, um, as well as even just for parents who want to extend their child's learning of what they might be learning in the classroom setting. And they want their kiddo to be engaged in something that is educational, but also fun and open-ended at home to promote creativity. Because the thing that I've seen too, like there are many different types of art programs and some of them are a little bit more traditional, like probably what we went through where it's, you know, you do things that are similar to the teacher product. Um, but there is becoming this more mainstream movement. Sorry, my cat is just being very vocal right now, of course, <laughs> as she would, um, has to be the center of attention. <laughs> but there's there's definitely been this this kind of shift um, in art education towards more open ended, more like let's build the skills for children, um, but not necessarily tell them like what they're doing, which is great because that's how you're going to get creativity, right? If something is open ended, yeah. if something um, requires kiddos to problem solve, requires them to be mindful of what they're doing, um, these are the things that you know I'm trying to promote here, and so yeah, absolutely. With this, I mean, so I, it was such a joy too to be able to do the color mixing box with your two sons um, over the holiday break. That was absolutely amazing. And just to like witness the learning happening, to see um, how they interacted with the products as well as with the lessons. But also you don't want it to just end once the box is closed, right? Like, so once you've done those lessons, you don't want the learning to end. You want to be able to take it into the real world. And so I think that then the question becomes, how can we do that in the world around us, right? With color mixing. and so. One of the things I, I would love to like just kind of riff with you here um, to talk about like where can we find color mixing opportunities in the world around us in our home with things that you have available to you. Um, one of the yes. things that I love a product that you have that I actually ended up buying for my classes are those color paddles. Uh, they're like the translucent color yeah. paddles. They're super cheap. They're like, you know, five bucks on Amazon, but for the kids to just be able to see the light to go through, but also magnetiles work the same way because they've got that cool translucency. And I saw some of my yeah. students uh, doing that in this past week when we were doing some color stuff. Um, but you were saying too, even with water, I mean, with the math lesson, right? You could have made co different colored waters for the different animals. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's um, colors are, um, they're such a fun one because there's like so many uh, ways to be creative with it. Um, and just, yes, yeah, so we've done those color paddles and we've done the magnetiles. We actually were just doing them uh, this week also. It's just such an easy thing to pull out. Um, one of the things that I love too is we actually have um, like one of those light tablets that we put out on the table for the kids and they put the colors on there. I actually just ordered another one too because uh, they just and they don't have to share, but they will just do both. They'll have the color paddles going, they have the magnetiles. And um, it's so fun because since we've done that color mixing lesson with you, um, you know, our six-year-old, it's like always in the back of his mind. And it's amazing how, um, you know, he, he does the lesson and you're, you know, you're not always sure like, okay, exactly where are they getting out of it? Did they get the point? You know, like, um, but they're, they're thinking about it. And later on, you know, they might say something about it. And when he's playing with those magnetiles, um, he's like, hey, mommy, what do you think happens when I put the yellow and the orange one together? You know, and I'm like, I don't know, buddy, probably makes it a little more yellow or a little more, more you know, but like, he's like, actually, you know, they're in his hands and he's doing that and um and he's seeing it and so like um he's processing it and he's thinking about it and he's you know he's now showing me what he's come up with when he's mixed colors and um he even um since your little lesson um that we did together too he uh, was so funny he earned m&ms the other day and he was categorizing his m&ms and then he decided to categorize them by um look if we mix 
red and blue, it makes purple. So he put the red and blue ones together. So that's like, he was doing color mixing without even actually color mixing them, but he was putting them together with, um, okay, if we mix these ones, that would have made purple. So we'll put all these ones together. And, and that's how he was categorizing them. So it, it took it to a whole different level for me. Cause I'm like, holy cow, like he took what um, Aunt Carrie had taught him and he's, you know, applying it to categorizing his M&Ms, which is math too, you know, like, I love that. Yep. Um, Counting. Yep. You know, <laughs> and the so, magnet tiles is like geometry and building and architecture, right? You know, yeah. there's, there's so many fun connections. Yeah. I really, it's almost like life has become like a steam lesson, you know, like when you, you know, you add in that art and then they're going to, you know, he's taking it and he's applying it to his math and, um, you know, and everything else. Um, another thing that I love too, is, um, you had that color wheel. Yeah. And um, so that, you know, the color wheel, you know, it has all your, your primary colors, but then, you know, the secondary ones in it. And even though it's not um, mixing the colors, we're having there to, them there to look at them and see. And I've given him the color wheel and he goes out in um, the backyard, you know, I'll say nature, but it's our backyard. And he's found little stuff that matches each color and he lays them out on the wheel. And of course, you know, two-year-old little brother sees it and he goes and he's finding things and he's learning his colors, you know, so he's saying yeah. yellow and, you know, six-year-old is saying like, oh, look, we could put these side by side. And um, so, yeah, that was like another way that, you know, they um, expanded on the lesson and, you know, we took it, we took it outside into nature and did colors. Oh, I love that. And I mean, yeah, that is, that is a great way too, especially like for the two and a half year old to be able to learn colors. It's just like finding them in the environment. And um, I love hearing too, yeah. that they're using the color wheel because it is such a great map just in terms of like learning how colors mix together. And if you forget, it can help you to, like to remember what happens if I mix blue and yellow together, oh, I'll get green. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting too, cause you were saying, you know, you don't really know how much they're retaining. And I think that that is like something in traditional schooling, it's like, okay, we've done the lesson, we've done some sort of assessment for mastery, and then we move on. And there's really not usually a lot of time to revisit and to see like, oh, is this coming back up to like in later, um, units, you know, have they continued to remember what they learned or is that just like lost knowledge? So that's really great too, to be able to have that time to reinforce um, and to do sort of like some extension activities. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think too that like some other extension activities with color mixing that you could do easily at home, of course you can mix frosting colors if you're a baker and if baking works for your family, um, that's <laughs> always a really fun one. <laughs> with kids um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or Play-Doh, Play-Doh works really well or homemade salt dough too. If you um, using the Kool-Aid packets for color will give them like a really vibrant color too, which makes okay. them a little bit easier to mix. Um, okay. Cause I found that with food coloring, sometimes the colors can be a little bit muted. Um, and then it's just like, not as easy to see, like, sure. you know, you're like, oh, it's kind of like a pink when it's supposed to be like a purple, if the colors are too muted. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a great idea. Yeah. So those are, those are some like really just easy, like at home, like if you wanted to continue. And then of course the colored water, um, and mixing those together. And you saw that at the science museum too, which is really cool. You were saying that y'all saw a demo there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, uh, I think your parents, uh, took our kids, uh, there for that one um, where they were doing the color mixing. And I think uh, Knox was like very knowledgeable about it. And it was like exciting to see that it was reinforced, but he was still remembering um, other things. Um, another, I'm glad you mentioned the Kool-Aid. I'm actually, that's a good idea because that's not something we would typically buy, but um, yeah. so that's something I, I should just throw in the cover because one of the um, things, I mean, little boys love this, but I'm sure little girls too. Um, we tend to do uh, volcanoes all the time with baking soda oh, and vinegar. Fine. 
So um, one of the fun things that we've done is, um, you know, I'll put a little uh, food coloring, which is actually, now that you're saying it, it might work really well with the Kool-Aid, um, is putting the baking soda in a, a muffin tin um, and then put, a, you know, a little different color in each one and then give them the dropper with vinegar and let them drop uh, the vinegar onto the baking soda in each of the muffin tins and see what colors it makes. So I feel like the Kool-Aid would probably be a great way to mix that in with the baking soda too and, uh, you know, give it a little color explosion. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also too, I mean, if you've got like watercolor palettes, um, unfortunately, like there are, you know, there's usually like more than just your primary colors. So some things are pre-mixed, but also you can sometimes take out some of those little um, browns or okay. if you can have the kiddos, but mixing with watercolors too on um, coffee filters works really well. You can make like cute little butterflies or just okay, it, the, yeah. it spreads on that material. So that can be a really um, another way, like if you wanted to just use like a different type of paint for color mixing. Um, I do love the temper paint. That's like that's a fun my, idea. Yeah, that's my favorite though, is the temper paint just because it is, um, you know, it's it's thicker viscosity and you really get like some beef to it. But also another thing that I want to mention too, back to the science museum is going to museums too. Like if you live in a place where either like you have museums or like you have access to museums um, and usually a lot of museums too, they'll have like free family Fridays or like first Friday of the month or something that they're free for uh, local residents. But that can be a really great place too, to even just look at the art and, you know, to talk about, well, what colors did this artist use? And like, how do you think that they made that? And um, because when you buy it, when you, you know, many artists will make their own colors customly. And so that can be another kind of fun conversation too with your kiddo, just in terms of like reinforcing that learning if you've done a lesson like that. Yeah, so. I mean, that's, uh, when you say stuff like that, it's uh, that's what makes me glad to have you around because I uh, I don't always think to look at a piece of art and analyze it like that. And I know, um, just, yeah, like you definitely uh, bring uh, that art to the table um, that where I can really appreciate. Um, even when we were doing that color mixing with you and you were telling Knox about uh, tint and, you know, tinting and you, I think you said it, you know, it was uh, adding um, adding white, white to a color it's adding a white up. to a color you know and I'm just like that's not like natural language to me so I can really appreciate when you know he's watching your um your art video or when you're in person with him um that you're giving him some of those words too that I wouldn't even think to use because I wouldn't even really know how to properly use the word tin I would probably use it in the wrong context so um yeah it's great uh having you be able to help us analyze those kind of things too you know well, I mean, it's just like math or science, like there is a language to talking about art, right? And being able to analyze art and yeah, so it's um, it's a vocabulary that's built over time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping to absorb that from you so that I can, you know, as we go do other things that I'll be like, oh, Knox, look, tint. <laughs> do you remember what that means? <laughs> but yeah, but it's, um, yeah, no, thank, thank you for that. I, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Oh, but of yeah, course. I, 13 years of uh, teaching art. So, you know, it's, it's, it's what I, it's what I know. It's what I've been doing for a long time. And I'm happy to yeah. be able to bring it outside the classroom. I think that there's just, there's really such a need for it. Um, and especially right now in, in schools, there seems to be a drive at the moment for more rigor um, after the pandemic, just in terms of like recovering from learning loss. And I think that our need for open-ended projects, open-ended exploration, play in learning, um, is just, it's really high right now. Um, so I'm really glad to be able to provide something for, um, people who are looking for that extension or looking for education at home. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I just think that there's a, there's a need for that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, like you said, like we, I think we definitely grew up with more of the um, product versus the process. Um, and it's so easy to put that on our kids because it's what we knew and just taking a step back and, you know, reminding ourselves that, you know, it's letting them have that time to, you know, think and process it and, you know, and just make a mess, you know, like usually our products are, are not very nice, but it's like, I'm learning that, um, it's okay for it to look messy. Things are going on in their brains and they're developing and, you know, like this is, uh, putting them towards a path of creativity by being able to just do what they want. Yeah. To make messes and make mistakes. I mean, making mistakes is such an important part of the creative process because from those mistakes, you're going to be able to then solve problems. You're going to be able to take away learning. If you're not making mistakes, you're not growing and you're not taking risk and taking risk is actually a huge part of creativity um, and being able to be creative. It's a creative thinking skill. So yeah, I love, I love the idea of just like being able to play. Um, and I think too, that the, the arts, you know, for better or for worse, I think are a very low stakes place to be able to develop some of these skills because it's not like math, it's not like science, it's not like reading, which are really, you know, pushed forward in our society and lifted up as things that, you know, they're, they're kind of like the core subjects um, and art should be a core subject, but it is, you know, typically not viewed as such. So I think that it is, there's a really great opportunity here for kiddos to be able to develop those skills. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. I hope, uh, I hope by what we're learning from you and stuff, we can definitely like elevate our kids to be more creative because that's really what takes you um, in the real world, like that takes you a step above everybody else, the people that um, can be creative, can think outside the box. Those are the ones that are, you know, inventing things and starting their own companies and, you know, these startups and, you know, those are the people that are taking it to the next level. And, you know, I would hope that we're giving our kids that foundation and, you know, those skills to have in their toolbox um, to be able to pull out in the future. You know, it's uh, just a, a messy looking piece of paper right now, but you know, tomorrow, you know, who knows what our kids could be uh, thinking up and starting. Yeah. But they're, they're learning, they're growing and it is, it's messy and it's, it's non-linear. I think the best learning, you know, sometimes they'll take a couple steps forward. Sometimes they take a couple steps back Um, with color mixing, particularly you'll see a lot of kiddos, they'll end up making a lot of Brown when they first learn. And then it's, it's actually really interesting because then they'll get away from the Brown, but with summer breaks specifically in school, what I'll see then is the next year when we reintroduce painting a lot more brown again, because they've like, they need to kind of like regress before they can jump forward. And they won't spend as much time like in like the let's make mud stage, they'll get out of it quicker. But again, like, especially when you're not doing something consistently, sometimes there is that step forward, step back, and then step forward again. So that's really interesting. And just like a great reminder of being patient with kids too, yep. because it's how, you know, it's their own process, you know, just because I'm past the Brown or whatever, it's okay. I gotta let them play in this for a little longer. Yep. And, and they might be there for a while. I've had entire academic years where kids make Brown for most of the year when they paint. And I'm like, this is just where you're at and you'll get past it when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think, yeah, being, being patient and also remembering too, that our aesthetic as adults is very different than the kiddos aesthetic. Um, whenever your kid makes an artwork too, I always recommend like asking them, like, can you tell me about this or tell me about what you made? Um, not asking more pointed questions like, oh, is it a bear? Is it a unicorn? Because that sort of puts your vision and what you see on the artwork. But if you can ask those more open-ended questions, they'll tell you either about their process, about what they're thinking, about what they're dreaming, about what that line represents to them. It's, you know, the, the one brown line could be a train, 
or it could be a tornado. Um, so they really have really great imaginations in that. And also typically young children, they need less visual information to communicate an idea than adults do. So we want them to add more details and to be a little bit more like visual in the world as we know it, but for them, it's not meaningful. So I think also just honoring the child where they are in their process um, and knowing that our visual vocabulary is much different than theirs because they're developing theirs. Whereas we've been having our visual vocabulary for several decades um, and there's this very new uh, and just that reminder, I think is really important too. Like when we talk to kids about their art and ask them questions, you know, about what they're making. And cause also that's a whole nother skill set, being able to communicate, um, you know, what you're, what you've created. And that's really important too, for kiddos to be able to develop that. So yeah, talking with them about their artwork too, I think is always a great extension activity of just like, tell me about what you made or like, oh, this is really interesting. Can you tell me more about it? Oh, no, that's, that's really, uh, that's great to, that's great to hear. That's something that I'm going to definitely try to make sure that I do more, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and, it, um, and it, it, it takes time to, to break those habits of, oh, like you made a train, you know, because that's how we sure, see it. Like that's what um, I think it looks like. Yeah. And, and I think that too, like, you know, that's how we were asked about our artworks as kids too. I think, you know, but as we learn more sure. about child development and as sort of the focus of art education changes, um, those questions are changing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's so. great. I mean, I love, I love that. I'm definitely going to be taking that away from this conversation <laughs> and, uh, trying to do that more. Yeah. yeah. But Leah, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today and away from your kiddos. And I know too, that, uh, you know, Drew had to Definitely do some, <laughs> some extra childcare, and I appreciate that on his yeah, part too. But it absolutely. was just so great to chat with you today. That was Education Everywhere, an A to Z creativity podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Armashevitz, and thanks for tuning in. You can find us on the web at www.a-zcreativity.org. See you next time.